Well, thank you for letting me interview you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I guess we can get right into it. First off, um, it'd be awesome if you could just go a little bit through your education path and how you got to where you are now. Sure, so I started, um, uh, I graduated with my bachelor's nine years uh, after I started. Um, probably didn't share that with you before. Uh, I just had a lot like, went through personal depression, but then also just not knowing like what I wanted to do. And so it wasn't until about like, probably seven years after I started um, being in and out of school and in and out of a few different uh, colleges um, that I discovered adapted PE. And uh, yeah, I was through working at a camp for people with disabilities, people of all different sessions for people of different ages with disability. And uh, it was a summer camp, absolutely loved that. And, um, and then, you know, kind of asked around and found, about, found out about the field of adapted PE. So then I returned to school um, older and more mature, and then also kind of with that depression in check, and um, and then you know school from that point on was a very you know it was two years of very uh, good grades and you know just solid focus and uh, you know all that uh, just thankful to the Lord yeah and I found the Lord in in that time as well so like um, pretty significant point in my life. So then um, earned my bachelor's in kinesiology with an emphasis in pedagogy, which is the science of teaching. And then I earned my single subject teaching credential from Cal State San Bernardino, which is where I earned my bachelor's as well. Um, and my adapted PE uh, credential from there as well. And then, um, then I started teaching and within a couple of years of teaching, I um, earned my master's degree in education from California Baptist University. And then, uh, yeah, started teaching in the field for, um, and did that for about nine years um, before I started teaching as an adjunct in uh, APU's Adapted PE Added Authorization Program. Um, so I was doing that part-time and continued doing that part-time for a couple of years while I was also teaching Adapted PE during the day in the, in the school district. And then uh, about two years into that, um, the full-time position here opened up. So I've been here now full time. This is the beginning of my fifth year or middle of my fifth year now. We're almost, yeah, we're almost through it. Great, thank you. Oh, sorry, I, one more thing I would add is just that uh, a year ago, I started a, a PhD program um, part-time. So, so my educational journey is not done yet. And when will you, when are you set to finish that up? Um, probably, probably in about three years. But uh, yeah, just it depends on a lot of things, but probably about three years. Great. Um, so through your education journey, um, what certifications, credentials have you picked up along the way? Sure. So the single subject credential in physical education, and so that authorizes me to teach uh, general ed PE from you know grades K through 12, really. Um, and then, uh, and in California, we do uh, actually in a lot of states, we have elementary physical education teachers too. So they, um, you know, they work with younger students, but you know, only at those grades. Um, let's see, the other thing is the adapted PE added authorization. And that is, um, you know, allows me to teach adapted PE um, ages three through 21, which is kind of the ages covered by special ed law. So I, you know, I did work with preschoolers back in, 
you know, a few years ago when I was in the school district. And then any other certifications? Um, I, think that's, I think that's it. Great. Um, and within the adapted PE field, do you have any special interests or special areas um, that you enjoy the most? I do. I um, towards the end of my, uh, you know, I, it would turn out to be 11 years total in the, in a school district here in Southern California, and in a couple like towards the final years, um, I, I I was teaching at a middle school that had a very inclusive uh, physical education program, and so um, students with more moderate to severe disabilities were included in general ed PE classes. Um, in small numbers, which normally that doesn't happen when when there's inclusion going on, it, it turns into more of kind of like just this dumping of like a whole special ed class into a class of like, you know, into a PE class that already has like 35 or 50 uh, general ed students in it already. And so it's just not set up for success. So in this school, we were able to just do it. Um, yeah, just using natural proportions is what kind of what they call it. But so there were about like five students with disabilities in a class of 40, 45, um, you know, general ed students. And, um, and then even within those classes, like the teachers used uh, like squads. And so to, you know, to break them down into smaller teams, smaller groups. And so, you know, instead of it being general ed squad, general ed squad, you know, and then finally the squad of like five students with disabilities. Um, I worked with the general ed teacher to kind of like split them up and get them into those other squads as, you know, as individuals. Um, and uh, just saw how incredibly um, smooth it worked and, and just the, the general ed students found it really easy to include, you know, a student with a disability compared to like working with five students with disabilities in a separate squad, right? It was just, it was just very natural, very easy, and then just very beautiful too. And just, uh, you know, I think, so I'm passionate about that. There's kind of a little anecdote to say that I'm passionate about inclusion, but I think if we if we do education inclusively, you know, um, that that's going to change things in society. So, you know, a big reason that um, a lot of teachers, especially teachers that have been around for a while, um, a big reason that they are hesitant about inclusion is because they weren't raised with, you know, they weren't raised with kids with disabilities in their life. Um, and so, so it's very unnatural to them. It's very new, very foreign and challenging and, you know, not in their wheelhouse. And so um, I think just the more that we get kids integrated, the more, you know, um, this phenomenon of disability will just kind of be seen as just, uh, you know, another flavor of diversity, really, you know, just a diversity of ability. And, um, and then you know, includes inclusion in the schools will just be more natural, but then in society too, it, it won't be like, you know, necessarily adults living in group homes. It, it, it could, there could be more inclusive options. That's really cool and great to hear. Um, so going back to your work before becoming a professor, um, mm -hmm. I would appreciate if you could just talk about that experience, where you were at, what it was like, what you learned. Sure. Um, where are you from originally? Is, is it California? Yeah, yeah. Maybe? My parents lived in California. Okay. So yeah, so it was in Corona. It was the Corona Norco Unified School District, which is um, Southern California, um, kind of close to Riverside, bordering Riverside. And um, so I generally, we there were, it was a big district and there were nine of us when I left. So nine adaptive PE teachers for the district. But 
Um, most of us had about like six schools that we served and, uh, and usually went to about um, three or four schools a day and then worked with like one or two groups of students, um, you know, at each of those schools. So, so maybe five, six, you know, sessions or classes per day. Um, and then, you know, more at the elementary level, it's, it was a lot more pullout. So I might, you know, um, I don't know how much you know about the IEP process or anything. Is that, have you heard about that? Okay, so every student in special ed um, or receiving special ed services, um, whether it's academic, you know, um, special ed services or speech or adapted PE, um, they all have an, an IEP or an individualized education plan. Um, and so where, where each of those uh, teachers or service providers kind of write individualized goals for them um, based on their unique needs. And so, uh, so I, um, what was I going to say? So I might, you know, I, I didn't work with every student in the school by any means or any student or, you know, not even all students within a given special ed class. It's, you know, it might've been like I pull three from this special ed class. Um, and then one from a general ed fourth grade class who happens to need the service of adapted PE. Um, and then, you know, one from a general ed fifth grade class or sixth grade class. And so I have this, you know, small group of uh, five students that I'm working with at a time and uh, we're working on their individual goals, but then also kind of like a broader PE curriculum to help them be successful with their class as well. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, is that kind of a little bit of, you know, so, so it's, it's usually an itinerant position, which means traveling position. So you do travel from school site to school site. So there's pros and cons to that. Um, you know, one is it, it takes a, a while to kind of uh, be known at, at each school site, you know. Um, and, you know, a lot of the teachers won't necessarily know who you are unless they see you with the equipment. They're like, oh, that must be the adaptive PE teacher, you know. Um, and then, uh, but you do get to know, especially the special ed teachers, you get to know the administrators because you do have meetings, these IEP meetings with them. Like, you know, for every child, you have at least one of those IEP meetings per year where you're, you know, talking about the, the goals for that child uh, for the year. And so you do meet the administrators and get to know them. Um, and so, um, but the, you know, the, for me, one of the positives was just, you know, it was kind of a um, new thing every day. And, you know, you're going to, you know, going to a new school site every day. And so I liked the, um, I liked the, the head time in between, you know, like as I'm pack up the equipment, throw it in the car, and then I'm driving to the next school site and you have that downtime of 10, 15 minutes or whatever um, to, you know, kind of process how the last lesson went, but then kind of mentally prepare for the next lesson. And um, so it's, it's a very unique job, but, um, but also very rewarding. You know, you get to um, the students like generally like what you're doing, you know, that's, you know, if you're not, uh, you know, you're not teaching math, which, you know, maybe a good third of all students in school hate, right, you know, like most kids like to be active and, and you have the creativity to, to make it fun. So That's really interesting. Um, okay, next question is just any general advice for a college freshman? General advice, yeah, I would say, um, and, and this comes from someone that took nine years to get through school. Um, so, you know, what, what do I wish I had done? Um, I think just uh, taking all those syllabi or even like going through each course in Canvas, you know, each professor kind of sets it up a little bit differently, but um, 
but probably like plotting out just on one on one page or or one document, let's say, or even just your you know your Gmail calendar uh, when those due dates are, and um, so that that way you can like prioritize. And then I would even say like if you can try to be as specific in your schedule. So keep a calendar, which I never really did, especially in those early years. Um, it wasn't until I uh, found the Lord, um, got married, and uh, started learning about maturity from my wife. But um, uh, like schedule in like, you know, okay, you know, you have this gap, like, okay, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to one, you know, that's when I work on Ken 102 work or whatever, you know what I mean? Like if the more specific you can be, the less like you'll find yourself like scrambling at the last minute. Um, and then you have like time built into like, it, it even like gives you time to like, like free time. You can build in free time to like, okay, I can actually just mentally check out and actually enjoy myself and not have to worry about the stress because I know exactly when I'm going to work on that thing, whatever it is, you know? So that's, yeah, that's some advice. I would say there's, um, I would say another, another piece is just, uh, there's a ton of resources, right? So don't struggle for too long. Reach out to your professors. Um, I think, you know, I'm always kind of like surprised at how many people don't reach out, I guess. And so, you know, if you are struggling, like, Talk to them in advance, um, and then. Uh, but even resources about like you know, there's just the student life side of things. I know it's a little weird because it's kind of a ghost town there, but at least you know you can connect with a lot of those people online um, or through email just by looking up their office on the on the web and um, you know, hey, like where do I go for tutoring help um, or you know whatever whatever hap it happens to be. So. That's good. Okay, two questions left. Um, sure. You mentioned um, being an adapted PE teacher and going from school to school um, in that like very specific job. Um, what other like career options are there coming out of a kin major with a single subject teaching credential and PE and uh, adapted PE authorization? Hmm. Um, so yeah, it is, it is pretty specific. Um, but I would say the jobs are out there. So if that's, if that's kind of where the question is coming from, um, I think, and, and not necessarily this is a job. Um, so, so maybe I'll think of a job as I'm talking about this, but I think there's a huge opportunity in the church for ministry, um, to, and especially with people with disabilities. Right. And so, um, and a huge reason for that is just that uh, I think things are starting to change, um, but so many pastors like go through seminary without like even thinking about disability ministry. So there, there aren't very many seminaries with courses on it, um, let alone, you know. And so um, so then it, it, it's almost like those teachers who are reluctant to, you know, to do inclusion because it, like it was a foreign concept to them, like pastors are experiencing the same thing. And so, um, and then, and then there seems to be this kind of natural progression of like, like, okay, well, even among churches that are willing to do it, there's not necessarily the knowledge about how to do it, or, um, or even, even some churches are willing, but they're like, but we, we don't have anybody with disabilities in our congregation, um, not realizing that maybe that's because they haven't like, um, done certain things to, to be more accommodating or, you know, or even evangelize to people with disabilities so uh, and reach out to them that way so um, there's a lot of opportunity for positive change there and and uh, just a more inclusive environment so 
you know, whether it's through physical activity and, you know, disability or whether it's, you know, like there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of special ed teachers out there, like academic special ed teachers, you know, we all kind of have this um, unique knowledge of, of disability. And I think that's probably underutilized in like ministry in the church, you know, even just by lay people. So, um, so that's an option where, you know, a uh, huge, huge uh, option um, to get involved and to apply that knowledge, I guess. And then as far as other jobs, I mean, I think there's other jobs where you don't, you wouldn't necessarily need the credential, but you know, there's, um, um, but maybe, you know, just in, you know, there's like, there, well, there's physical therapy, obviously, um, and occupational therapy, and both of those can be done in schools too, and, and with kids. Um, so that can be like one of the services on their individualized education plan is OT and PT, and it's, you know, school-based. So, um, that can that's yeah definitely a way um trying to think of what other you know with your single subject credential you you could also be um just a general ed pe teacher like i i thought about this many times as i was going through the program like okay you know if um and just just being you know that that teacher that really impacts the, the campus and uh and is especially you know the one that's going to the special ed teacher saying hey i want your students in my class like I want to make this work. So, um, so there's that op option too, and and you know that way you'd be impacting even even more students in a way because you'd have like full classes of general ed students that would be learning from that process as well. So, you actually alluded to my last question, which is I'm I'm interested just to hear from your perspective, like how your faith and theology impacts how you interact and view people with disabilities in your Okay, yeah. Um, so I think, um, I mean, there's a number of concepts that I could talk about, but uh, like one is just as, as we look at the Bible, I mean, uh, we're all made in the image of God, you know, and um, that includes people with disabilities. And so, you know, specifically what that means, um, I don't know, you know, but, but I, I do know that it's true for everyone. There's no, there's no asterisks, right? Um, and so, uh, and then if I was to think, well, it, you know, even if I was to think like, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't really make sense that I made in the image of God when I stop and think about myself. Right. Um, and all my flaws. So, um, uh, yeah, so, but I believe it. Right. And so, so I, I definitely believe it about people with disabilities too. Um, I think too, um, this is, this is kind of, uh, I don't know, this is a little deep, but God even, like, so with Moses, um, Moses, you know, has been tasked to go to Pharaoh and to say, you know, to, to let God's people go, right, and to um, uh, to let them leave Egypt and let them out of slavery, and, and Moses keeps, like, coming back at God and saying, you know, well, you know, I, making all these excuses, and then finally, and, and including, like, basically like I, uh, you know, I'm slow of speech, you know, and other, other excuses. And God says, well, you know, who, who is it that makes man, man uh, you know, slow of speech, who gives man speech, who, you know, and basically is saying um, that uh, the disability, you know, God has a hand in that. And even in the creation of that, and that's, that's hard to like fully wrap our heads around, but his purposes are so much bigger, so much grander. 
um, and they involve disability as well. And so, um, so yeah, like I said, I, you know, I still want to like think, think on that. It's, it's hard to swallow at first because it seems like that just sounds mean, right? Um, but I think, you know, I trust that I trust God's sovereignty and I trust his, uh, his like infinite wisdom, um, you know, that, that his, his plans are greater than mine and, uh, and I'm not going to always understand them. So, um, so there's that. And then there's even just, um, you know, along those lines, Jesus in John nine, after he heals the blind man, um, you know, his disciples are asking him basically whose fault is it that he was disabled or that he was blind? Is it, is it his parents or is it him? You know, because that was the, the prevalent reasoning of the day is if you're disabled, it had, had to do with either your, your parents' sins or your sins. And he said, no, 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 neither of them. Um, this man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed uh, through him. And so Jesus ultimately like heals him and forgives him of his sin. Um, and if you haven't read that chapter in a while, like I'd recommend John 9. Uh, it's just kind of funny because the Pharisees are kind of like at their at their um, at their best, and they just can't wrap their heads around it. And you know, they're like asking the blind man. They go to ask his parents, and his parents are like, "Well, he's of age. Why aren't you asking him?" You know, like they're basically like in disbelief that Jesus cured him and um, and trying to trying to prove him wrong, and they don't end up doing it, obviously. But um, and then I guess finally, too, not finally, but there's a lot more that I could talk about, but. Um, I think, so 1 Corinthians 12, um, Paul talks about the members of the body and, you know, as a metaphor for the church and mentions various, you know, body parts like that, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you and, you know, um, et cetera. And he, and, um, he, he kind of um, concludes that on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker and that word seem is actually in there, but the, word, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And uh, so, you know, that tells us that um, um, the passages are kind of in context of spiritual gifts, but people with disabilities, all of us, you know, were, were endowed with spiritual gifts um, that God gave us for the purpose of building up the body. And so, you know, the church is really disabled, capital C is really disabled if, if it's missing body parts, um, namely those people with disabilities that we haven't, like, included and so um so the presence of people with disabilities you know in the church body god uses that to uh um to accomplish his purposes and you know i've seen that in my own church which does have a high like uh, concentration of people with disabilities but you know and then in my own friendships with people with disabilities in church but um so that's that's a little bit i could talk more about it but um but yeah no, let's start great. Thank you, thank you. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have this short little interview. Yeah, my pleasure.